Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Embodied Astrology Podcast. I'm Renee Sills, consulting astrologer, somatic practitioner, and your host. This is a special and unusual episode for Virgo season in 2023. That's August 23rd through September 22nd. This season, there's a lot going on, including Mercury retrograde in Virgo, the culmination of Venus's retrograde in Leo, and even more retrogrades with Uranus and Jupiter in Taurus. As you probably know, retrogrades, and especially Mercury retrogrades, are periods of time that often require us to be adaptable and to change course or modify our plans in order to meet the shifting needs of the moment. This has definitely been my experience over the past few weeks due to a pretty significant and also unforeseen opportunity, which has required a lot of research and rearranging, and which I'm excited to tell you about soon. But due to the unforeseen nature of this opportunity, I wasn't able to give the time I usually do to prepare individual readings for each sign. So I'm taking the astrological cue and readjusting and reframing. And I want to offer this reading as an opportunity to tune in with collective astrology and an overview of Virgo season, which includes a body-based exploration and healing practice, general astrological interpretation, and also timing for Virgo season specific events. I'll also be offering a part two for Virgo season with mini readings for each sign through the elements, which you can find in the show notes or on your favorite listening platforms. If you've been a follower of Embodied Astrology, you know that I'm usually very consistent and have been offering readings for all signs every season for almost a decade, always for free. I really believe in this work and it is my absolute joy to offer it. I'm looking forward to returning next month with longer sign-specific readings, and I appreciate your flexibility and support with this month's programming change. As you listen, remember that everyone has all 12 signs in their charts, and astrology is a symbolic language that describes both collective and personal experience. So in this episode, there's a ton of information that is probably relevant to your own life and experience. And again, you can check out part two for more dialed in descriptions of Virgo season's astrology for each sign. So let's begin by exploring Virgo as an energy that exists everywhere. All zodiac energies are energies that each of us carry internally in our different parts and characteristics and uh, experiences in life. In our charts, we have all 12 signs and uh, we all have access into these archetypal energies. And on earth, all of these energies exist and are manifesting in ways that we can connect with and learn to read through their energetics. And as we connect with them on earth, we can also learn to know them uh, more deeply in ourselves, in our own bodies, in our experiences. So Virgo is an earth sign and all of the elements, earth, air, water, fire, in uh, this language of tropical astrology, all of the elements have three parts. They have beginning, middle, and changing parts. They have the initiatory qualities, they have their most powerful and condensed qualities, and then they have qualities that interpermeate and shift and uh, are adaptable and mutable. And Virgo is what's considered to be a mutable earth sign. 
and mutability is changeability. It is adaptability. And here on Earth, life is adaptive. It is part of how Earth's life evolves through constant shifting, refinement, change, actions and interactions that then beget new actions and interactions. So one way that we can tune in with Virgo on Earth is through observing and appreciating and studying the intelligence of Earth as Earth lives its life. And Earth, of course, is a body that holds and contains many, many, many lives, countless lives, infinite lives. Lives of all shapes and sizes, lives of all dimensions, lives that as human beings, uh, many of them are completely unknown and unseen to us or often unremembered, especially the lives of the small beings and the beings whose lives and labor and uh, creative processes create everything that we need here on earth. So we might think about the uh, microbial life inside of the soil or the mycelial life that distributes sugar and nourishment uh, to life forms that root into the soil. We might also think about the small beings, the pollinators and the little insects who are so important in the larger chain of life here on Earth. As you observe the world around you, I'm sure that there is at least one tiny corner of the world in your world that you can observe the creative intelligence, the brilliance of Earth expressing itself. And I choose to believe and really feel that all bodies, all lives are part of the Earth's life. And even for those of us in the human realm that uh, really maybe experience, maybe even believe that we are somehow separate from the earth. Even for those of us that embalm and encapsulate our bodies uh, after they die, <laughs> to bury them in uh, kind of impenetrable fortresses inside of the earth. If we zoom out and take a really big picture look at what has happened, what is happening, and what will continue to happen on earth, we will see that the Earth's intelligence is the intelligence of composting, recycling, recirculating, regenerating, forming, and reforming. And no matter how permanent human beings think that we are or how fixed uh, we believe that our structures of permanence might be, in the really big picture, Anything that we are and anything that we build is minuscule in comparison to what the earth is, maybe even who it is, if we want to think of it as a being in itself, and also what the cosmos is, the infinite expanding space that is the parent and the birthplace of earth that is also full of this creative intelligence full of all kinds of little pieces, little details, meeting one another, interacting, acting, reacting, and creating life. So as you turn, tune into Virgo, tune into the mutability, adaptability, and intelligence of life on Earth. And my suggestion would be to start outside of the human realm or what 
you might think of as the human realm. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't start inside your body. Because in our bodies, uh, through medical astrology and other practices that think into the correlation of the body and astrology, such as embodied astrology, Virgo is associated with the gut, with the intestines, and especially with the function of the intestines that has to do with absorption and assimilation. You might know that the function of your intestines is not your own project, actually. The reason that you can digest and absorb and assimilate food to any extent that you might be able to has everything to do with the beings who live inside your gut. And our guts, of course, are home to uh, uh, communities of microbiome and bacterial forms. And these small beings do the work of our metabolic processes. And somehow your body and all of its intelligence, because it's part of Earth, knows how to break down what it consumes into small pieces, small details. Somehow it knows where to direct those details and that information. Oh, this molecule is going to be good for the bones. Let's send it over there. That molecule is so important for the heart. Let's send it up there. The intelligence inside of your body knows what to do with what it gets. And if it doesn't know, it will try. If you feel into your body, you are feeling into the miraculous intelligence of Earth. And you are feeling into processes of sorting and refining and organizing. And these are processes that are uh, very much associated with Virgo. Those are key words for Virgo's intelligences, the ability to sort and organize and refine and clarify, the intelligence that knows what to do with the details. The little pieces here go with the little pieces there. And this intelligence isn't necessarily uh, knowing what to do with all of the details, that big picture overarching view. This is the intelligence that works inside the details, but in such a way that there is attunement and resonance across life forms. If you happen to find yourself in a natural landscape, one that has not been overly manipulated or controlled by human beings, you certainly uh, could appreciate how the palette of the landscape is complementary. That whatever grows there, whoever lives there, the shapes, uh, the, the life forms that are there, what they express is complementary to one another. The color palette of landscapes uh, is always perfectly composed when the earth is the artist. And when we tune in to the life inside of these landscapes, we'll find many symbiotic and reciprocal relationships. 
small beings connecting with small beings, connecting with medium-sized beings, connecting with large beings, connecting with the elements, all of them listening to each other and working together. Which isn't to say that uh, other life forms other than human beings don't experience um, what we might in our human perception call competition. It's not particularly the word that I might use or aggression or maybe even violence. There are certainly predator-prey relationships across the spectrum of life forms. But what we find in the intelligence of Earth that has not been controlled or manipulated by the human mind, uh, what we find is reciprocity. We find natural balance of give and take. And so even though certain life forms might provide nourishment and dinner for another life form, the offering of their body or the taking of their body, the consumption of their body, is not, uh, it, it's holistic in some ways, right? When uh, natural processes work upon each other, whether these processes are plant or animal or elemental or a combination of many different beings collaborating, there is no waste. Nothing goes to waste. Everything is used. And in the uh, consumption and absorption and integration, there is a proliferation of life. And so when we tune in with Virgo's intelligence, let's really try and tune in with the quality of creative capacity that is attuned, that is uh, resonant across interbeingness, that is not seeking to control or to sterilize or to manipulate, but is seeking to uh, proliferate life through collaborative interaction. You can tune in to Virgo's intelligence through your own gut. You can tune in to Virgo's intelligence through your metabolism, through remembering the me metabolic processes of your cells, even as you breathe that the intelligence inside of your cells knows what to do with the oxygen. It, delivers it to the hemoglobin in your blood. Your blood then delivers that necessary nourishment to all the tissues in your body, all of the organs. And your organs in turn are working together. Many little pieces all working together. Now, some of you may have been listening and feeling into the reality or situation of your own body or thinking about another's body and feeling that uh, sometimes our bodies don't work that well or they don't work in ways that we wish that they would. And the processes of assimilation and absorption and metabolism or the general processes of well-being, the capacities of our bodies to heal and uh, to metabolize uh, can get easily imbalanced. And many of us, and I include myself, um, experience states of dis-ease in our bodies for various reasons. And sometimes these processes don't work so well. And so 
we have to remember that Virgo, like any sign in the zodiac, is part of a family of signs. And importantly, it is part of a polarity or an opposition um, between its kind of sibling sign or opposing sign, Pisces. Now, Pisces is a water sign. It's also part of the uh, mutable cross of signs, four elements, four mutable signs. And Pisces, in relationship to Virgo, expresses the uh, completeness or the holistic everythingness that includes all of the little details and all of the little beings, as well as their interstitial spaces, and also includes all the ways that all the things are constantly working on each other all the time. And so a moment ago when I was saying that the intelligence of Virgo is not the big picture all the time, it's the small details. It is the capacity to work with what's at hand, what was consumed, what is here right now. Break it down into even smaller details so that we can work effectively and efficiently with these uh, little pieces so that we can deliver them to the places they need to go, so that we can organize them in the ways that they need to be organized uh, so that they are most functional. All of that together, all the details together are working on each other all the time. As your body uh, receives nourishment or doesn't receive nourishment, as it experiences assimilation and absorption and digestion and metabolism, or as it experiences hardship, it is creating life, it is exuding, it is emanating, and your life then is contributing to the environment around you. The environment around you is also permeating into your life. And if your body and the intelligence inside of your body, which is so intelligent, is uh, given a lot of information that is difficult to break down and transform, that might be carrying substance that the body truly does not need and maybe even harms the body, then the intelligences in your body uh, will be more strained. And so when we feel into Virgo and its capacity to heal and mend and organize and take care of the details, we also have to contextualize what's happening around all of these details and appreciate the immense labor that it is to make sense of what is here right now. And when the environment is polluted, when there are lots of toxins in the food or the air or the water, when there are epigenetic or inherited or entrained toxins or traumas in the body that we carry, when there are experiences that are ongoing that produce stress and strain in the body, that uh, diminish the body's capacities to fully meet the uh, demands of metabolism, then the metabolism is affected negatively, right? There's detriment or again, diminishment to our body's capacities to heal. As we tune in with Virgo and the Pisces axis, we also want to tune in with the ways that especially Virgo can 
um, sometimes respond when the environment is not conducive to what Virgo wants and needs to do. And again, if we think of Virgo as an archetypal energy that extends and spreads across all creation, and this archetypal energy wants to make use of what's here, it wants to help and participate with the crafting and forming of life, uh, then we definitely have to appreciate how much work that is. <laughs> and in a period of time, such as we're living through right now, the when the world is as full as it is of pollutants, of toxins, of suffering, of uh, centuries upon centuries of stress and fear and uh, forced labor and forced migration and separation of beings from the places that they come from, uh, then we can tune in with the distress in the living systems and we might be able to tune in with the distress in our bodies in a way that helps hold them in the continuity and the context of everything right now. Pisces as the collecting place, the everything, the interstitial, is also a place where we can tune in with the general climate or weather or uh, emotional vibe of what we could call the whole. And considering the, the moment that we are in right now, 2023, the climate, the vibe, the emotional weather, um, you probably have your own words for. But this is not a climate of gentleness. This is not an environment in which a lot of life is supported to just really kind of do its own thing and take care of itself. There is such an immense amount of need and there's also such an immense amount of uh, lack and again, pollutants and stress that many life forms are struggling. And when we tune in with our own human bodies, uh, we can tune in with the symptoms, we can tune in with the physical experiences that the Virgo intelligences in our bodies right now are struggling with. And you might, in your own lived experience, know some of these struggles. You might know struggles of uh, metabolism and digestion or assimilation and absorption. You might know the struggle of stress of trying to figure out what to do with the overwhelming amount of demand or fear or intensity that's present in your life. You might know the weight of labor. You might know what it is to live a life or be a person or be in a role where your job is caretaking and tending and picking up the small pieces and attending to the details. And you might know very well in a firsthand way what it is to uh, be uh, in some ways part of the filtering system, right? Or part of the absorption system. And again, this is what Virgo does, the healing system, the caring system of the human realms. And anyone who knows that role, anyone who is a care worker, who is a janitor or a cleaner, anyone who works in uh, any kind of role where your job is dealing with the details, 
either breaking things down and uh, trying to find the right place for them, doing some kind of waste management, or dealing with the waste that's put on you, even if you didn't get a job that pays you to do that. You have to uh, figure out what to do with what's being put on you anyway. Very similar to many of our plant and animal kin and our elemental kin. You know the violence of that. You know the overwhelm of that and you know the toll that it takes on your body. You might be a person who lives a life that doesn't necessarily put you in contact with that kind of demand or strain or violence. Uh, but probably if you're alive on earth in any uh, corner of the earth, you are aware of your sense of well-being and you are aware of your sense of health. And maybe you're a person who is really interested in well-being and health. I'm certainly a person like that. And so I think a lot of people who would listen to embodied astrology are probably people who are interested in well-being and health. And so you don't need me to tell you that your well-being and your health is absolutely interconnected with the well-being and health of your environment. And your environment is not just the local space around you. It is everything everywhere. And here again is the relationship between Virgo and Pisces. We live in a world with a shared atmosphere with elemental components of our beings that are constantly in states of recycling. The water that moves through your body that, that carries the oxygen in your blood is the same water that is polluted by mining operations. It's the same water that's being overheated in the ocean right now. It's the same water that is traveling through the filtration systems in Detroit. The water that moves across the planet is the water that moves through our bodies. The air that uh, is breathed in your body is the same air that is breathed by the plants and by the animals. And so any of us who feel our interests and maybe even our dedications, or our devotions in this life, um, orienting us towards well-being and health or holistic wellness practices, then we are here definitely to care for the everything, even as we care for the details. And if you're somebody who feels and senses the details in your own body, and a lot of people who have especially strong Virgo placements or sixth house placements uh, associated to the sixth sign Virgo, um, a lot of Virgoan or sixth house type people, I include myself in this group of people, were very sensitive environmentally. And many of us have been compelled to seek healing for ourselves and to try and attend to the ways that we feel dis-ease or illness or chronic conditions or inflammation or other states of unwellness in our bodies. And probably when we get into it very quickly, we recognize that our individual attempts can only go so far. There's only so many herbal remedies or detox cleanses or yoga classes that a person can uh, do to make any kind of difference. And those differences will be minuscule if they'll even be differences at all, if the environment itself is suffering. 
And so as we tune in with Virgo, we also want to tune in with the need to heal, the intelligence of healing, the capacities for healing, but also what healing needs. And what healing needs is both attention to the details and holding of the whole. Healing needs to be contextualized and held in a larger space. When we focus on pain and we focus on distress, pain and distress grow. And it's very natural for our consciousness to focus towards pain or focus towards distress. It's part of the evolutionary and biological function of the uh, human race and also of our individual biologic forms. When we attend to pain and distress, we contribute to our own survival often. But attending to pain and distress only can lead us to be completely absorbed and mired in pain and distress. And in order to really heal, we have to be held by something that's bigger, something that helps uh, move the details around a little bit, something that infuses these sites of distress with something else. And so again, we want to tune in with Pisces as the everything space, but Pisces also as an energy of uh, connection to spirit, connection to creative mystery and unknown, connection to the essence and the energy of interconnection. And if you have ever had a moment or a glimpse of really feeling interconnection, maybe that's with a family member or a new baby, maybe that's in nature in a point of meditation, maybe that's a moment in a psychedelic journey, Maybe it's a point of prayer. If you have ever felt the sublime quality of interconnection, then you have probably felt uh, what many people have felt, what many people talk about, which is that the ultimate substance of life is love. And this is love that is bigger than a human love. It's bigger than a, a love that is personal to a particular bond. This is a kind of love that encompasses everything, that is absolutely inclusive. No one, no thing turned away. And when we tune into Pisces' capacity for love, we find an enormous amount of empathy and compassion. We find a huge capacity for understanding and holding the big context. And this can then assist us when we move uh, towards our attempts to heal. And again, if we uh, address our pain with a kind of myopic fo focus, if all we're focusing on is the problem or the pain or the distress, then that's really all that can take up our perspective. It's all that we'll see. And so the solutions that we come up with might not actually be helpful solutions. They might be pointed solutions or symptomatic solutions, but they won't be holistic. If we can remember Pisces qualities and energetics as we attune with our Virgo functionality and desires, if we can attune ourselves to the resonance of uh, infinite love, the continuity of interconnection, then it might be easier for us to source and resource what we need in order to heal. If we can feel energetically that we are held by something greater, 
And this greater something is all of creation, the intelligence inside of creation, then it might help us to remember that we also are that. And that kind of remembering can dispel and soothe the anxiety and the kind of neurotic focus on what's wrong. It can help us to open to the numinous liminal spaces where we might receive different kinds of guidance or intuition or emotional or spiritual or energetic support. And it can help uh, quiet the mind and the ego functions that want to come in and fix things. Oh my God, that's a problem. What do we have to do? Call everybody, all hands on deck. We've got to fix this problem, right? Very human response to think that we know what the answer is. We uh, often feel that way in our bodies. We definitely feel that way uh, on earth as an entire system. There's so much control that human beings uh, assert upon our environments and our bodies and one another. And yet when we tune into the numinous wholeness, uh, many of us feel a state of sublime relaxation. And this is actually the point of a lot of meditation practices is to uh, get to the space where we are open and attuned and listening and connected enough that we can soften and quiet our own egos and needs to control and manipulate. And then we can open to something bigger, something greater. And what that something bigger and greater is, is not actually meant to be known, not meant to be named, but meant to be collaborated with and honored and worked with and worked for as we move towards our own attempts towards healing. And so as we enter into Virgo season, I want to uh, invite myself and anybody else who um, resonates with this to really offer in a, in a devotional way, in a, in a disciplined way, and devotion and discipline are two words that definitely resonate with the Virgo archetype. And the word discipline, of course, is rooted with uh, the word disciple. So to really honor our own beings, right, and honor the creative intelligence on earth, I invite us all to tune in with the small details and with the uh, small and infinitely smaller beings that care for and hold together the larger forms. Our bodies are home to so many beings. We are not uh, individuals. We are not separate beings somehow. Our egos like to think that we are. But if we didn't have all of those billions of little bacterial beings in our guts, uh, no ego would have a home, right? The body would not be able to function. So as you tune in with the intelligence of your body, and the intelligence of your environment. I also invite you to tune in with the ways that Virgo energy can sometimes thwart relationship and continuity with the Pisces energy. And sometimes our attention to detail and uh, labor and trying to make things the best that they can be and put everything in the right spot and the right place uh, can really get in the way uh, sometimes of feeling a larger sense of intelligence and guidance. So as you tune in with Virgo, also tune in with criticality. 
and the orientation towards seeing problems. And if you're a person like me and you have significant Virgo placements in your chart, then you know that this might even be part of your love language. I'm a Venus and Virgo person. And I joke often with people who I love in my life that constructive criticism, it doesn't always feel constructive to them, but criticism is my love language. And I've had to learn through my life to be um, aware of the ways that I pick up problems, that I attune to, oh my God, that tiny little detail there. If it was just a little bit more like this, then it would be better. Because my fussing and constant trying to control and manage uh, often produces states of anxiety for me and for other people. And especially for other people, it can feel that my fussing and orientation to where they or their activities could be just a little bit better, um, that that actually is a separating quality. It can uh, reduce the feeling for them of being supported and seen. What a surprise, right? It can reduce the feeling of them, uh, for them of being able to relax. And when I feel into those qualities in myself, the same thing happens. So uh, you too might know the experience of being intensely self-critical, of picking yourself apart in a million different ways. And sometimes I do this through focusing on my symptoms. Oh my God, this thing hurts. It's not working the right way. What do I have to do in order to get it to work? And then my focus gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm just focused on this one thing that's not working and I'm trying to fix it. And a lot of times that fussing kind of quality that I assert towards myself actually makes the problem worse. I often find that I end up feeling more neurotic, more anxious, and the problem itself doesn't really change. When I can relax and tune into my parasympathetic intelligence, to the part of my body that knows how to rest and how to let go of its constant busyness, when I can get my mind to calm down and uh, help myself out of a state of urgency by pausing, by breathing, by slowing down, that actually resources me uh, profoundly. And so please notice in your own life the way that criticism and orient orientation towards problems can produce urgency and scarcity mindsets or stinginess or control complexes. Please pay attention to the ways that nitpicking your own body might actually be rooted in other people's ideas of what your body should or should not be. Virgo as an archetypal energy is definitely associated with ideas of purity and cleanliness. And many of us, especially those of us who have participated in Western wellness industries, um, who have felt in our bodies objectified and the instincts to objectify our bodies or to really see our bodies as projects that somehow are going to be perfect someday if we just do all the right things. Um, I think it might support and assist us to really question where do these ideas come from? These ideas of some kind of personal uh, potency that we can assert on our bodies to get them into some kind of form that then will be quote unquote good. What does that even mean? 
Are you a person who picks your body apart? If so, I invite you to pay attention to this sensation of your nitpicking and your criticality and your orientation towards uh, betterment or perfection. I invite you to feel the sensation in your guts when your mind engages with those kinds of thoughts. And just as an experiment, I invite you to try and relax any kinds of punishment or attempts to order and control and really tune in and attune with what is bigger than you and greater than you. I invite you to relax, especially in your gut and your belly and feel yourself a part of the entirety and the holistic living system that you are uh, one of the many cells in this larger body and that you too have a place here and that your place uh, is, is most effective, is most brilliant when you feel yourself connected with the whole in ways that serve and support you. You don't need to manipulate yourself in order to be uh, somehow good enough to be here. You are already always good enough. Your body doesn't have to look any particular way in order to be a quote-unquote good body. Your body is brilliant. Your body is part of earth. Your body carries sublime innate intelligence. So a practice to offer as we move through Virgo season is sending loving kindness to our own bodies and to their capacities for assimilation, absorption, metabolism, and labor, making sense of all the things that they experience and uh, are submersed in. And as we do that to send loving kindness to all the many beings whose labors are often unseen or unremembered, unrecognized, and underappreciated for sure. And that includes beings in our human realms, the care workers, the caretakers, the many beings whose labors are forced and extracted and manipulated and controlled. And to question in our own lives how we are complicit in systems of dis-ease and disharmony, and to make micro adjustments in the ways that we can that can contribute to a greater sense of ease and well being and continuity of source and resource that is full of health. How can we do that? One way is to start with the small details. And uh, this is very much an essence of Virgo's intelligence that the big picture is made by the small details. And we want to grow into the external from the internal. And if we are looking for big changes, then we have to start small. So please start in your own body and in your own being. And you might even now bring your hands to your belly. And you can cup your hands just uh, underneath your belly button. Let your palms get wide. And cup the flesh of your belly and your... Uh, uh, girth of your belly or size of your belly and just very gently lift it a little bit so that your belly can uh, relax into the holding of your hands and then 
invite your breath to relax and release all the way into your belly and into the holding of your hands. And one way that we can really work, I think, effectively with our breath is to work through relaxation and surrender and ease. And so again, feeling into some Pisces keywords and letting go of Virgo keywords as we breathe. So there can be um, a relaxation of doing. No need to control the breath. You don't need to fix it. Notice where your breath is already easy. Feel that there's so much life and intelligence in your breath and in your body breathing. And as you hold your tummy and hold your belly, know that the movement of your breath travels to all the cells in your body and that the substance of your breath supports your gut. When we have uh, easeful breath, we digest more easily and invite the ease in your breath to travel through your cells all the way into your tummy and into your hands. And be here for a moment or two, just breathing and attuning your attentive awareness into this part of your body, this part of your body that is full of many, many, many beings, many beings laboring to help support and assist you in your life, your actions, your energy. And as you tune in with your body, you might send your breath also outwards beyond your body through your imaginative pathways and towards all the many beings, the small beings, the unseen, unremembered beings that are laboring everywhere in order to support life on earth and the action and the energies of healing and wellness and interconnected well-being and vitality. And as you breathe in, you are breathing in relationship. And as you breathe out, you are breathing into relationship. And as you breathe, you are breathing in reciprocity. You are breathing in exchange. And notice the quality or the sensation as you breathe with an awareness of this reciprocity and exchange. And notice the quality of your breath and sensation as you attempt, maybe, and infuse your breath with gratitude. And I say attempt because uh, I think that sometimes it can be hard to access our feeling states in our bodies, especially if we don't have a lot of practice. And so if this is new for you, then I invite you to work with your imagination. And you can locate in your mind and in your heart what you are grateful for in terms of what you know supports and uplifts you in your life. You can be grateful for the water, grateful for the land, grateful for food, grateful for the beings that help uh, grow and produce food. All the beings, from the birds who help scatter seeds to the pollinators that help them grow and the microbiome in the soil and the hands or labor that tend those plants and all the many beings that may have participated in bringing food to you. 
Can you give thanks for the substance of life as it exists in and around you and feel that you too are part of that substance, that you participate in the substance of life? You are responsible for doing your part in this big picture. You are also one of many tiny infinite beings who are absorbing and assimilating an enormous amount of information. As you metabolize the content of your life, you transform life. As you receive what is available and what is given to you and make use of it and make sense of it, you transform what is available to be received by others and by the world around you. Can you infuse this breath in this body with gratitude? Can you infuse this breath in this body with the remembering that you are breathing in relationship? And just like mycelium, the mycelial intelligence so connected to the Virgo-Pisces axis, you might imagine that as you inhale, you receive everything that you need. And as you exhale, you release and you offer. And anything that you don't need can go back into the, the whole. And the intelligences that are here working with you and around you might know what to do with what you don't know what to do with or with what you uh, aren't really responsible for dealing with right? The carbon dioxide on your exhale is not really for you. It's for the trees. It's for the plants. The movement of, of food and nourishment through your body is a transformative process of exchange. There have been and are now cultures, communities, and societies that uh, don't abhor human waste, but actually understand what to do with it, that understand that human bodies and human beings can be very valuable parts of transformative processes of earth, that what our bodies produce uh, by eating is also fertilizer, right? important, valuable substance for future growth. You might not live in a culture, community, or society that knows what to do uh, with your poop in a way that is actually functional or um, effective in terms of the health of the larger system of our planet. But that doesn't mean that our bodies or what they produce are somehow bad. So as you feel into your body and you feel into the continuity of nature, and natural processes, I also invite you to relax around any ideas that have been uh, put in place in your body, mind, uh, heart, being, that the processes of your body are somehow shameful or bad or wrong. Can you feel that your human life and your human existence is an animal life, animal existence? Can you feel that the intelligence in your body is the same intelligence that has created the trees and the butterflies? Can you feel that the 
wisdom that moves through your body is the same wisdom that moves through the air and the water that is contained in mineral that resonates through sunlight and starlight. Virgo's energetic archetype resonates with interspecies attunement and the symbiotic reciprocity of flora and fauna. Healing methods and practices of all kinds have long been associated with Virgo, especially practices that work in collaboration with plants, such as herbal medicine. In Virgo season, Embodied Astrology is thrilled to offer a very special workshop on September 3rd called Subtle Bodies, the Wisdom of Plants and Planets, with Sed Clearwater. Sed is an herbalist and herb farmer who is devoted to bodywork and energetic astrology. They offer integrated plant, astrological, and somatic community tending. In their offering for EA, they'll invite us to cultivate a deeper relationship with plant bodies, to learn about the medicinal and energetic power of plants in the mint family, and to practice interacting and engaging with plants through subtle awareness and listening through our bodies and senses. Along with healing and tending of living beings and systems, Virgo's energetic archetype also deeply resonates with editing, organizing, cleaning, and clarifying. September 17th, in the third session of her four-part embodied astrology series, Artistic Alchemy, Award-winning author and playwright Junata Petrus joins us once again to engage the magic of the mutable signs for a soulful and meaningful artistic practice and life. This workshop is great as a standalone offering and also works in concert with Junata's previous EA workshops for Gemini and Pisces seasons, now available by recording on the EA website, which explored processes of collecting information, ideating and creative combining of intuition, inspiration, and guidance from ancestral and spiritual sources of support towards our artistic offerings. In Virgo season, Janata will help us harvest, edit, finesse, and solidify our foundations in ways that refine and reveal the structure, shape, and intentions of our offerings. For any of you who find yourself in moments of creative chaos as we traverse through these retrograde times, this workshop is sure to be a support. While both of these workshops are perfectly timed for Virgo season, they're also both evergreen offerings, meaning that they'll always be relevant and supportive for your ongoing education of astrology in application to herbalism and creative process. All embodied astrology events are currently held on Zoom, so you can join us from anywhere. If you can't make the live event, you can always catch the recording later. Our events are also offered by sliding scale, and we have scholarships available to those who need additional support. You can find links for more information and registration in the show notes or in the 2023 workshops page of the Learn section at embodiedastrology.com. If you enjoy my reading style and want to dive deeper into an embodied experience with current astrology, Join me every Monday on Zoom in the somatic space, where we work with the upcoming week's solar season, lunar cycle, and planetary transits through embodied practices, guided visualizations, and moving meditations. Every session, I offer an astro overview and tips for observing your own chart placements. Our practices are designed for you to come back to them for body-based mindfulness support throughout the week. These classes are also all offered by donation. If you sign up for a sliding scale somatic space membership, 
You'll also get access to my ongoing virtual conversation, Q&A, and resource sharing space. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right. So in the second section of this episode, this three-part episode, I want to talk about the astrology of Virgo season as a whole. And I'm going to read the chart for the first day of Virgo as the sun ingresses into the sign. Um, and kind of offer both uh, what I feel on the collective and the personal level. And then in uh, the third section, I'll start to look at timeline and an overview um, in regards to the specific events of planetary aspects and transits. Um, So the predominant feeling that I get when I tune in with the chart for Virgo season is the incredible amount of movement that is happening in the element of Earth. And the ingress chart for the beginning of Virgo season shows a grand trine in the earth element as well as a kite configuration and uh, oppositional aspect between Virgo and its opposite sign, Pisces. Um, There's also the ongoing influence of Venus's retrograde in Leo. And for folks who uh, listened last month to your Leo season horoscopes, that was a big theme in those horoscopes. And uh, Venus retrograde is continuing to influence uh, throughout Virgo season, even though Venus will be stationing direct. It will also be continuing its retrograde influence as it uh, retraces its steps over the area of sky <laughs> that it has um, traveled back to. I don't know if a planet has steps, but uh, you get the picture. So um, looking at the chart for Virgo season, this feeling of incredible potency in the earth element is really powerful. It's really strong. Here we are working with the outer planet influences of Pluto, Uranus, and Jupiter. Um, Pluto and Uranus are both considered to be transpersonal planets in that their orbits around the sun are long. Uh, Uranus can take around seven years in a sign, Pluto anywhere from 12 to 20-something years. Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008. Capricorn is an earth sign. It is considered to be cardinal earth or structural earth. The cardinal modality, again, is a modality of initiation, the earth asserting itself and the uh, surfaces and the structures of earth that assert themselves over time to create material reality. We can think about Capricorn as an energy that describes material reality. And material reality as we experience it is also just a moment of reality. And wherever we're experiencing reality from, of course, it's just a a tiny slice of the full potentiality of reality as we may perceive it. But reality in many ways is defined uh, through time and space and challenge and necessity. Uh, The components of being alive on earth 
all have to do with cyclical circular processes of uh, birth and growth and generation and regeneration and dying and death and decomposition and then recomposition. And so what happens on earth over eons is the uh, maybe larger sense of reality as we might think of it, but how we experience earth in our particular moments uh, is the kind of structural reality uh, as we experience it. So Pluto as an intergenerational and transpersonal force speaks to the process of unearthing and the uh, kind of exposure or exhuming of what has been underneath the earth or underneath reality or material reality uh, and is now ready to be transformed and has to go through some kind of dying or death process as it is being uh, transformed. Pluto relates to Hades, the uh, Greek god of the underworld, and Pluto as an energetic or a symbol that we read through astrology brings us to the catonic forces, the forces of the underworld, the forces of death and dying. And these forces are forces that many of us have been taught to fear, and indeed, they can be scary and highly uncomfortable. Um, dying and death will happen to all of us. And it's an emotionally intense process to go through. Uh, I've never been through my own death. I've been through moments where I felt a lot of proximity to death. And I've certainly been uh, with people in their, their dying processes and related with people who've gone through um, the rite of passage of death. And I am alive at this time when death forces are very palpable on earth. Um, but this kind of, of process is immensely powerful. And when we can relate to the underworld forces or through the death forces in ways that don't seek to deny them or suppress them, then we have access to a huge amount of power. But when we uh, try and push them away or not look at them, um, then they can become uh, mightily destructive in really weird and uh, very manipulative and uh, unnecessarily destructive ways. So when we're working with Pluto, we're working with some kind of uh, literal, physical um, process of something that has been repressed or suppressed coming forward, coming into the surface, ready to be transformed. We're working with the forces of death and dying and the underworld and the uh, kind of underbelly or the shadow side or the uh, deep psyche uh, coming into consciousness, ready to be worked with so that they can be integrated into a larger pattern of power. And when we're working with Pluto, we're also working with the collective influences in the human sphere uh, of death and dying as well as killing. And uh, the, the misuses of uh, death and killing energy as well as the suppression and the uh, kind of sublimation of certain energies that might then contribute to uh, death or dying. And we're also working with the um, psyche or the psychological and shadow components that might produce 
the the instincts to kill and might also be produced by the experiences of uh, violence, death, and dying. Pluto's orbit around the sun is 248 years. Uh, currently, Pluto is transiting through the very last degrees of Capricorn. It started to move out of Capricorn and into Aquarius earlier this year. It has retrograded back into Capricorn. And next year in 2024, it will finish up its transit here and then it will move into Aquarius where it will stay for the next 20 years. While Pluto is in Capricorn and finishing its transit here, it is uh, doing the work of transformation in relationship to uh, cycles that are about 250 years ago, or 500 years ago, 750 years ago, when we think back onto previous Pluto cycles. I've talked about this now uh, in several episodes, so I'm not going to um, spend a lot of time on it, but if you go back into the Embodied Astrology archives and find the episode called Breakdown to Breakthrough that I recorded in January of 2020, I talked a lot about this influence. And at that time, I did not know what was coming in 2020. But I, along with uh, many other astrologers and intuitives, you know, we had a sense because we were reading what was happening with Pluto. Um, and in 2020, there was a lot going on. And all of us were kind of talking about what does this mean? And especially those of us who are interested in the cyclical and historic significance of Pluto and Capricorn. When you look back at previous cycles, you will find that uh, this is a cycle that corresponds with periods of time that have been um, very notable in implementing some kind of growth process that is situated in and of itself on death and also in the suppression or the uh, kind of internalization of the psychology uh, of, of a death force. 250 years ago or so, the Declaration of Independence was drafted and signed uh, in the so-called United States. And while there might be a lot to really um, look to in that declaration as a place of hope or liberation or good ideas, it was also a declaration that in and of itself was uh, stolen from the Haudenosaunee Confederation and uh, absolutely required the um, uh, indigenous erasure and theft of land and enslavement that the founding fathers uh, were very much responsible for and a product of. And in terms of the incorporation of the United States as a legislative body or a governing body, there has been so much that has been suppressed in its history in terms of uh, who gets to be positioned as the victor and who is positioned as a victim, um, what has contributed to the wealth or supremacy or uh, perceived supremacy of this uh, nation state, um, including the invisibilized labor, right, of enslaved people, uh, the extraction of resources, the theft of land, the theft of life, etc., that has produced the wealth um, of this country and particularly the wealth of certain uh, individuals who are at the, the front of the wealth producing machines. 250 years prior to that, you have the beginning uh, of the transatlantic slave trade and the um, proliferation of uh, trade routes uh, based in 
Europe and the European continent and <clears throat> in large part funded by the church. And these are routes that directly uh, correlate to the production of corporate capitalism and uh, industrialized uh, economies. <clears throat> they absolutely rely on stolen resource, <laughs> extracted resource, and then a production of value um, that has a lot to do with human interference and uh, dominance and dominion, as well as uh, kind of violent supremacy and the, the taking of what I think is, is truly valuable, the, the earth and the earth's uh, components, uh, bodies and lives. And uh, the, these components of, of real true value are then uh, shaped by industry and by industrious minds into wealth formation. Um, when we go back another 250 years in the Pluto cycle, we reach a, a period of uh, European um, kind of ideological development that had a lot to do with consolidation of land and property and wealth and erasure of uh, indigenous communities in Europe and communities of people who were able to live in reciprocity and balance with the land. And so in 2023, um, we, we see this continuing to happen, whether it's devastation of the Amazon rainforest or mining operations that are polluting rivers and entire communities. We are seeing the continuation of uh, indigenous genocide and ongoing theft of uh, resource and extraction of resource in order to produce wealth, uh, quote unquote wealth for um, just a few people and wealth that is not beneficial to the world at large. And Pluto's uh, time in Capricorn brings these themes very uh, much into our consciousness. And over the course of the last 15 years or so since 2008, there has been an increase in consciousness of these historic conditions and inequities. There has been um, a significant push towards reparation and transformation, uh, although not any kind of global success as of yet, but certainly a building consciousness around the necessity. And I think that this is really what Pluto does in its influence. It brings us into uh, the death process and forces us to look at what has been uh, pushed out of view or suppressed and uh, somehow hidden. It brings that forward and demands that we deal with it. And how it demands that we deal with it is by uh, producing circumstances that are in many ways, horrific and devastating to go through. And so we might experience certain elements of the climate crisis or associated environmental crises or social crises in this particular moment. Uh, we might experience uh, uprisings and revolutions and rebellions and pushback against governmental status quo in this particular moment. And we might have our stories about what it uh, means or what it is, but if we don't take the larger picture into view, if we don't consider the historic conditions and precedents that have created this moment, then we will not be able to transform the moment and actually uh, coordinate ourselves with the power that is available right now. And as we work with Pluto, we are very, very deeply working with trauma, and we are working with trauma in the Earth, and we are working with trauma in the structures and the systems of all 
earthly bodies. So as we move into Virgo season, this is a fundamental component of what we're working with as part of what is happening on Earth. And I would say in some ways the most profound aspect of what's happening in the Earth signs right now because it is uh, in a lot of ways the most powerful, the, the longest transit that we're dealing with in this particular constellation. Now, if we look to the next transpersonal planet, we come to Uranus, um, a, a planet that is associated with Uranus. And so if you're familiar with um, the, the myths of uh, Uranus and Gaia, you might already be familiar with the myths of the uh, associated to the planet Uranus and to the sign Taurus. Uh, Taurus is the most uh, earthy of the earth signs. It really speaks to the inherent fertility and capacity, the, the power of the earth to produce resource, the fertility of the earth and creative capacity of the earth. Not so much the industrious capacity that I was speaking about in section one with Virgo, but the inherent power of the earth that is contained in the earth's body itself. Now, Uranus is a planetary energy that is very associated to invention and innovation, as well as disruption and upheaval and uh, rebellion, uh, revolution. In the uh, mythic archetypal association, Uranus is a sky god or a sky being. And in relationship with, uh, with Gaia, with the Earth's body, uh, Uranus uh, inseminates Gaia. It, he or they uh, create life on Earth. And for a long time, uh, don't allow that life to experience stability. Don't allow that life to grow and continues to uh, push life back into Gaia's body. Doesn't let uh, her children exist for very long. Now, at some point, uh, Gaia and her children <laughs> start to fight back. And then we have, um, we, we have corresponding myths of the elemental beings, the titans, and uh, the kind of forces of uh, time and atmosphere and different uh, energetic or elemental capacities coming in to create a space where life can flourish on Earth. We might actually feel or sense into what we know from Earth science about Earth's own birth and creation story for a long time. Earth didn't have an atmosphere that allowed anything to grow. And forces from uh, space were <laughs> bombarding the Earth's body and seeding the Earth with a lot of potentiality. The components that create your body are components that have also created stars, as you know. Um, but this is because stars were part of forming Earth's body. And at some point, the uh, combination of all the materials that uh, combined from this like spatial production, um, formed a, a planetary body that is so special, so unique as Earth's body is to create and sustain life. And this is an incredible place. And this is a place that produces a, a kind of biodiversity that as of yet is absolutely unique in what we know of our solar system or uh, or universe. And of course, it's improbable that we are the, the only planet <laughs> that supports life. But so far, we're the only planet we know of that supports life in the ways that Earth supports life. 
So when Uranus is in Taurus, we have a, a moment that feels kind of similar to this uh moment in the in earth's formation we might think about a period of time when a lot of ideas from the sky mental ideas technological ideas innovation ideas are bombarding earth and there is a lot of disruption and instability and what has been stable is no longer stable and things need to shift and and uh reform and Uranus has been uh, in Taurus since uh, 2018. And during this time, many of the Taurian areas of life have become destabilized. Even more intensely, if we just think about the Earth and the Earth's body or climate, uh, food and agriculture production, economies and wealth, bodies and bodily sovereignty, these are all areas uh, that very much correspond to Taurus. Bodies that birth and feed children, that grow babies, uh, very much correspond to Taurus. If we think about Taurus as a material form full of fertility, bodies that create life are embodiments of Taurian potentiality. Uranus is in Taurus currently, and there is a lot of upheaval in Taurian realms. There are many, many different impulses that are now creating a kind of uh, revolutionary uh, energy in a populace. A lot of people agitating for uh, different realities when it comes to an embodied existence, when it comes to experiences that are so deeply shaped and formed by relationships with money or land or food or other bodies or their own bodily sovereignty, etc. Jupiter is also in Taurus, and Jupiter has been in Taurus since earlier this year. It will be in Taurus until next May. Uh, Jupiter's presence here serves to heighten and grow our potential for wisdom and also to bring order and create meaning. Uh, Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system, and um, uh, astronomers will talk about one potential theory that they have that Jupiter was maybe a planetary guide for the other planets to get in line to create the order that they have right now. Jupiter is named for uh, the god Zeus and when we look at myth we have another sky god, another masculine god, and a god who in a lot of ways was the first bureaucrat um, he gave people jobs, he made order, he made meaning, he was the ruler. And even though in some ways he claimed to, um, you know, give everybody their job and particular kinds of power, he was ultimately an authority. And Jupiter's influence uh, is associated with the attitudes and behaviors and individuals and also communities that create order and uh, make meaning, and dispense and distribute responsibility and possibility. Many of these orders are ideological in nature. Many of them are religious. They may also be judicial or legislative, and Jupiter is associated with 
judges, with advisors, with consultants, um, to a certain extent with people who are in positions of leadership or who have some kind of power or who have some kind of experience or expertise or knowledge that then contributes to meaning making for others. Jupiter as a symbol brings us to consider philosophy and religion and ideology and worldview. When Jupiter is in Taurus, it wants to expand the, uh, or I would interpret it as an influence that helps us to expand Earth wisdom. Um, Jupiter, though, if we're thinking about Zeus and a um, you know potential orientation towards Earth as a dominion. Um, Jupiter in Taurus is also a, a very notable symbol for um, ownership of property and wealth derived from land and property. And this is a period of time when uh, there is a lot of instability in markets and economies on Earth and uh, some individuals or communities are able to consolidate wealth due to that instability. They may be part of producing that instability. This is actually a good time for well-resourced people to invest, right? Because it's an uh, erratic market. People can buy low and then they can make money on other people's projected futures and risk. Uh, and so when we're thinking about Taurus, especially in Jupiter and Taurus, we definitely want to think about wealth production and value formation. Um, and throughout the course of uh, Virgo season, all of these planets that I have mentioned are going to be retrograde. Uh, Uranus stations retrograde a couple of days into Virgo season. Uh, Jupiter about two weeks in. Pluto has been uh, retrograde for a while now. And when planetary energy is retrograde, there is an internalization of a process. There is a need to integrate and become more coherent. There's also a renegade quality and um, potentiality for individuals to kind of buck the system a little bit and disrupt the status quo in their own ways. And there may be a kind of increased need to question the uh, supposed normalcy of something or um, uh, the status quo. So as we feel into these retrogrades, I also want to bring in their degree points. And um, you might consider these degree points in relationship to your own chart. <clears throat> Pluto has retrograded uh, back to 28 degrees um, of Capricorn. It will station direct at 27 degrees later this year. Um, as it moves back into Aquarius, um, uh, where it will continue, as I mentioned, next year uh, for its ongoing transit in Aquarius. Uranus is stationing retrograde at 23 degrees on uh, August 28th. It will retrograde back to 19 degrees of Taurus, so 23 to 19 Taurus. Um, and Jupiter is stationing retrograde at 15 degrees of Taurus and will move back to 5 degrees of Taurus. So if you have late Capricorn or early Aquarius placements, or if you have uh, basically any Taurus placements in your chart, but especially placements between 5 and 15 or 19 and 23 degrees, then these retrogrades are going to take on particular importance for you. And for me, when I read uh, the retrograde into the considerations uh, for these planetary influences, I'm really feeling the uh, collective moment that we're in 
there is a moment of a need to rethink the ways that we relate with Earth. And retrogrades uh, always encourage us to apply the RE prefix. So you're going to hear me say a lot of RE words uh, over the next little bit. <clears throat> so we have to rethink our relationship with Earth, especially the ways that we orient towards uh, Earth's resource, uh, how we resource, how we take source out of its origin and uh, make it useful for our own consumption and needs. And it's a really important time for us to reflect upon our values and also to uh, revise, renegotiate, restructure um, the ways that we value and how we think about worth and wealth in general in the world. Um, particularly the retrogrades that are happening in Taurus right now really call us to consider value formation. Uh, Dr. Amber McZeal is a scholar and a speaker and a psychologist and a spiritual worker and ally who um, I've certainly benefited from her language around value formation. Amber did the year ahead 2023 opening ritual for embodied astrology and has a series of several lectures available on her website, one of which is on value formation. And Amber is an astrologer and certainly brings this uh, intelligence into what she talks about. And I highly encourage you to check uh, her work out. And I'm certainly referencing it right now as I'm considering uh, these symbols and what I feel as a very clear um, directive to interrogate how we define value and wealth. For example, you might think of uh, a diamond as something that um, holds a lot of value on planet Earth, and it holds a lot of monetary value. It's a status symbol, requires a lot of money to purchase a diamond, especially uh, a very large diamond or some kind of rare diamond or, or something like that. What is the actual value of a diamond, though? The, the value that I was just speaking of it costs a lot of money. It's a status symbol. That is socially constructed value that has nothing to do with actual worth of something. Uh, the diamond itself is a mineral component as a gem. It is a body that has been formed by the earth. It is a body that has been transformed. Uh, one element has been turned into another. That's the earth's labor that we are valuing. That's mineral intelligence and form that we are valuing. Uh, diamonds are mined and the extractive process of producing diamonds is often incredibly violent and many diamond mines are situated in places on earth that have been extracted from for a very long time uh, like Africa, like the continent of Africa where many diamond mines are. A lot of the laborers who are uh, put to work in diamond mines are people who are um, basically enslaved, um, maybe paid very low wages and have uh, little to no other options. Many of their communities have been decimated in order to make way for these mines, which are owned and operated largely by companies situated in the Northern Hemisphere. 
So then individuals, many of whom might be children, are sent unprotected into mines where their bodies are filled with chemicals, uh, put into great peril, often face uh, severe injury and death. Uh, in order to bring back these pieces of mineral components that then humans continue to manipulate, to cut, to polish, to uh, put into some kind of metal casing and form into jewelry. And then that's a kind of value. But what are we valuing? What is the actual value? Are we valuing the social prescription of who gets to wear a diamond around their uh, appendage or body in some way, keep it in a locked box in a safe somewhere? Are we valuing the uh, inherent capacity of the earth to produce something such as a diamond? Are we valuing the um, immense suffering on multiple levels of the uh, human and animal and plant and earth bodies that are sacrificed in order for this diamond to be mined? Are we valuing the skill of the jeweler who cuts and polishes and um, uh, creates the jewelry? You know, where is the value placed? And I would encourage any of us to really think about the ways that we organize and coordinate our thinking around value during this time and to do our best to disrupt notions of value that are uh, anchored and require suffering in order to be produced. If we are valuing uh, food, for example, how do we value the earth that produces the food and the laborers who grow and cultivate the food and do all the many jobs that are required in order for anyone to eat the food? If we are valuing uh, home or land, how do we value the actual uh, body and the living intelligence of the land itself and the structures that might create the home? Can we value the history of the land and the structures and attune ourselves to what is embedded inside the history? Most of the time, quite frequently, these histories are uh, embedded and braided with lineages of violence and theft. And the production of the resources for our building materials um, are resources that in order to be produced require a lot of uh, carbon or chemicals to be emitted into the atmosphere. What are we valuing? This is a period of time in which we want to work the planetary energies that are being spoken to us through Pluto and Capricorn, through the uh, kind of surge of awareness moving through our consciousness as the environment suffers and life is very precarious and we are really close to death. And the death forces are in our air and in our water and in our communities and relationships. This is a period of time in which we want to innovate and uh, uh, move into new ways, inventive ways, imaginative ways of relating with our earth and with our resources in uh, ways that honor and support and respect the true value that is, that is here, that is inherent, not just in the products themselves or the resources themselves, but in the relational interconnections that they are part of and are part of them. 
And this is a period of time in which we are really called to consider what kind of values are we proliferating and producing and how can we attune to the intelligence of the earth itself so that we can expand in our wisdom and uh, produce new ways of being and maybe remember, it's a good RE prefix, remember and recollect ways of being that uh, humankind has known forever but may have also been forgotten or erased or violated in some ways. How can we reorient ourselves so that we can work towards repair and reconciliation and engage ourselves in redress for communities and locations that have been uh, deeply, deeply harmed in the production of wealth as it has been defined over the last several centuries. These are big questions for our times. Now, when we consider Virgo as part of the earth element and a very important part, of course, for Virgo season, um, we are definitely considering the influence of the sun in Virgo, consciousness in Virgo, expression moving through Virgo, that this is a period of time in which many of us, uh, by necessity, have to turn towards the details of our material lives. We have to make sense of a huge amount of information that is coming into our lives because of rapidly changing circumstances in our environments and in the corresponding social fabrics of our environments. There is a lot of need for caretaking and tending right now. Uh, many of us are experiencing the impacts of uh, a, a distressed environment in our own bodies. Um, over the course of the last several days and weeks, the area where I live has been um, uh, really affected by smoke from wildfires and by uh, the chemicals in the smoke from many of these fires that are burning um, materials like um, industrial materials, right, or uh, housing materials that contain all kinds of different synthetic compounds and glues and adhesives and things like that. And so chemicals are filling the air. And I know in my own body, I've been experiencing the impact of that. Increased inflammation, pain in my joints, uh, indigestion, anxiety, uh, trouble breathing, headaches, etc. And over the course of Virgo season, um, my guess is, is that there will be an increased emphasis on the health conditions and consequences of our current moment. But as we move into Virgo season, Mercury is also stationing retrograde in Virgo and will retrograde from 21 degrees back to 8 degrees um, and will remain in uh, this degree range pretty much throughout all of Virgo season because after it stations direct, it will kind of continue moving over this range as we move out of Virgo and into Libra. And so this area of uh, the, the zodiacal archetype of Virgo is an area that really asks us to increase our awareness and intelligence of the uh, many components that create a whole. And this is a, a energetic kind of orientation to um, the small details and to the systems and the sequences that coordinate the small details and to the 
micro spaces of exchange and transaction and assistance and coordination that are required for many details to work together towards a larger whole. Mercury's retrograde uh, in Virgo over the course of Virgo season aspects uh, Jupiter three times through its retrograde. Um, it will aspect Uranus and Pluto one time uh, as it finishes its retrograde exactly, but Mercury is also stationing retrograde very close to perfection uh, with its aspect with Uranus. And so this influence is very strong through the entire retrograde. Mercury is also stationing direct in conjunction with the asteroid palace, a point that speaks to pattern making and uh, strategy and encourages us to feel into the uh, dual components of both um, fighting for something and working to heal something. And palace is an embodiment of a kind of strategy that understands that we need to work in the systems as they are, in the world as it is, and that in part requires compliance with systems of destruction but we can work inside of them intelligently to change them from within. And if we understand our motives and strategies, then we can work systematically and we can coordinate ourselves uh, through patterns of coherence and cohesion to affect a larger systemic uh, shift. Wherever Virgo is in your chart, there is an emphasis over the course of Virgo season. And because Mercury is here and Mercury is in domicile, that means it's at home in Virgo. Mercury is very strong. Mercury is symbolic of the mental and cognitive functions, the capacities to take in information, as I was speaking about in the first section, to take in information, to absorb and assimilate and make use of what is here. That is uh, detail-oriented labor, and that kind of labor requires a particular uh, kind of focus and concentration. Uh, Virgoan energy and mercurial energy can sometimes feel uh, anxious and preoccupied with its anxieties. There can be a sense of almost like neurotic fixation on the small details. And since we're working with a Mercury retrograde, it is implied that a lot of these details are not going to make sense throughout the course of Virgo season. They might be swimming all over the place. We might be working with uh, partial information or lack of information. There may be rapidly changing circumstances that require uh, responsive changes in plans and strategy. And so wherever Virgo is in your chart, this is a place where you are working to coordinate and integrate what's happening in the Capricorn and Taurus placements of your chart. Um, and in Capricorn and Taurus, we're working with big picture kinds of things, right? Like I just talked about historic circumstances that are so big, like way bigger than your lifetime. Um, I'm talking about environmental circumstances that are so big so much bigger than your locus of control. These are transpersonal collective influences. But Mercury is a personal planet. And a Mercury retrograde is a period of time when individuals have to make sense of something. 
And so in your chart, how are you making sense of the current moment of climate crisis, of structural breakdown? How do you feel the opportunities inherent in this moment? What are the challenges? What are the potentials? Where is uh, an access point for innovation? How might you be creative here? Are there ways that you can pause and slow down and work with the retrograde RE prefix requirements to remain with something for a while, to revisit or remember what has been uh, forgotten or lost or put aside. This is a period of time that is excellent for revisions and restructuring. This is a period of time in which all of us collectively are called to the task of repair and reconciliation. Wherever you have Virgo in your chart, you have access to those kinds of activities uh, and internal states. And to work with a Mercury retrograde, especially in Virgo, effectively, we want to work with patience, with uh, a kind of systematic awareness of the, the details and the steps that need attending. But also because we're working with retrograde, we have to be willing to be in a mess with something and allow the mini components to get a little bit chaotic so that they can find their new shapes and new structures. So tune in uh, with your chart with the earth elements and the houses that the earth element uh, occupies and sense into the ways that you in your own life are affected by the current moment, by the collective moment, and then especially wherever Virgo is, how you in your life are working to adjust and organize around the details of the current moment as they manifest in your unique existence so that you can assimilate, absorb, metabolize, make use of, and also release, eliminate, clarify, purify, and heal. In these areas of your life, you are also working with uh, planetary influences of Pallas. Mercury is stationing retrograde conjunct with Pallas. There is strategy available to you here, but in order to locate the strategy, you have to be able to see the big picture. Mercury will trine Jupiter three times, and it is stationing retrograde in relationship with Uranus. It is moving into trine with Uranus and Pluto at the end of its transit as we get into the end of September. There is uh, opportunity for innovation and invention right now. You can do different things. In the Virgo space of your life, you are being asked to work and rework, to uh, shape and reshape, especially so that you can innovate and revolutionize in the Taurus placements of your chart so that you can grow and expand and uh, organize and coordinate your intelligence with a larger intelligence and opportunities uh, for new growth and for meaning making and order making that will support the whole. Finally, Virgo is opposite to Pisces. 
Um, throughout the course of Virgo season, the Sun and Mercury will both be in aspect to Saturn and Neptune in Pisces. Um, I'm going to maybe talk a little more specifically about these influences uh, in the overview, but in general, I do want to say that part of what we're working with in Virgo season is the bodily and practical metabolism of uncertainty, insecurity, and immense emotionality. Um, again, Pisces relates to the everythingness and also to the collected everythingness and collective emotional sentiment of everything. We are alive at a time when there is so much suffering and loss and grief, and a lot of it has been unprocessed. And when it comes to the uh, negative manifestations in our bodies, uh, so many of us carry the physiological symptoms of unprocessed trauma and fear and grief. They live in our bodies as uh, epigenetic uh, DNA mutations, as inherited and entrained coping mechanisms, right? As stress patterns. And part of what we are working with um, is a very ill environment. <laughs> we, we are alive at a time when uh, humankind has had an impact on the planet Earth in such a way that all life forms are suffering. And so Virgo season is definitely a time uh, to allow ourselves to feel this and to feel the emotional impact of this. And as I talked about in section one, uh, it's very easy for uh, Virgoan intelligence to want to get busy and fix things and take charge. But for Virgoan intelligence to really uh, reach the level of potential that it has, it has to integrate with Piscean intelligence. And this is attunement, sensitivity, and coherence with the whole, as well as emotional literacy and adeptness, the ability to work in the emotional realm. If we don't give ourselves space and time to process emotionally what needs to be processed, then the answers and solutions that we come up with are going to be coming from places that are emotionally insecure and disintegrated. When we are working from fear mentalities and scarcity mindsets and when we have not properly mourned those and that which we have lost, then we are not allowing ourselves to bring our full intelligence to the problem that we are trying to address. We are coming from a very mental, disembodied, disarticulated state. And so a big portion, I think, of what's happening in Virgo season is also the intensification of suffering on planet Earth, which I personally feel uh, as louder and louder knocks on the door, wake-up calls to feel the feelings that need to be felt so that we can change our behaviors. And so much of modernity is premised on a sense of urgency. Urgency to survive, urgency to make money, urgency to succeed in some way that will grant somebody validation, urgency to be a good person so that you can die and get to heaven or something like that. All of that urgency thwarts emotional metabolism. It thwarts emotional well-being. When we can cry and feel our feelings, and especially if we can do that communally, then we can create a lot of space for intelligence to emerge. When you are full up with unprocessed grief and anger and fear, 
you do not have access to your full intelligence. And that is true on an individual level, and it is certainly true on a collective level. And so this is a period of time when, in which we may also feel the amplification and intensification of emotion as a call to process and metabolize what is here. I said finally before, but I actually have one more piece, which is uh, Venus's retrograde. Venus has been retrograde uh, throughout the, the course of the last season, throughout Leo season. Venus is currently transiting Leo. It's been in Leo since June. Um, this is a retrograde that concludes in Virgo season, and uh, Venus will stay in Leo until early October, continuing to exert its influence here. Um, I'll talk more about Venus in the overview, but I do want to say that over the course of Virgo season, Venus is also completing aspects uh, that it has formed uh, during its retrograde with Jupiter. And so Venus's influence in Virgo season also continues to point to the need for individuals to connect with their hearts and with a sense of authentic and uh, what I would say essential components of um, their existences are. Venus in Leo asks us to clarify the ways that we love and experience love. It asks us to, again, clarify values. Venus is the ruler of Taurus, and so some of the themes that I spoke about with Jupiter and Uranus's presence in Taurus come up also with Venus, the need to clarify our values. And in retrograde and certainly in conversation with Jupiter, uh, there is a, a deep need here to recognize what the true value is and to replace ourselves, to recontextualize ourselves in the larger family of Earth's uh, inhabitants and our our kin here, our more than human kin, as well as our, our human relations. Can we place ourselves in our own place? Stop trying to be the, uh, the rulers of everybody and everything so that we can relate in reciprocity, so that we can understand uh, really the true value that we can bring to an experience because we're connecting with our heart and connecting with our love. And when we are connected with our hearts and when we are connected with love, then we are not resounding with scarcity and fear. We're not probably in places that feel instinctually uh, some kind of orientation towards violence or extraction. Spaces of, of love and abundance and the feeling of relationality, these are sensations that Venus wants. Um, really bring us into reciprocity and exchange. And as Venus uh, continues to aspect Jupiter in Taurus throughout Virgo season, I think that this is definitely uh, one of the big lessons that it's bringing. The needs of our current season and era are vast and various, but it's clear that humankind needs to find new ways of relating across barriers, boundaries, and differences. We have to remember and refine our capacities for attunement and listening so that we can register and respond to the messages being given to us by our most precious and vulnerable populations, our plant and animal kin, and the earth itself. 
As Uranus continues to move through Taurus, innovative and unconventional approaches to solving current problems are required. I know that many embodied astrology listeners are deeply invested in realizing and supporting this kind of work, so I want to tell you a little bit about a current project I'm trying to dream into being and ask you for your support. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, an unexpected opportunity has emerged, and this is the chance for embodied astrology to be part of a land purchase where we can build a long-term physical home and shared space that can host a diverse network of healing practitioners and practices for a broad community. We're slowing down, sensing, mindfulness, embodiment, and personal and interrelational healing are cultivated. This project would be a collaborative and emergent experiment in cooperative land tending, herbal medicine making, and community resourcing, with queer and trans folks and Black, Indigenous, and people of color at the forefront of our leadership. We envision a healing space where individuals and groups can participate in experiencing and creating space for rest, recovery, multidisciplinary research, and the development of skills and capacities essential for surviving and thriving in our precarious times of shifting climate and societal restructuring. My partner and creative collaborator, Ayana Dracos, and I only have a short amount of time to make this opportunity happen. We're currently fundraising through September 1st to try and purchase this property. Once the purchase can go through, we'll move towards pursuing long-term funding and holding space for emergent collaborative building. If you've enjoyed and benefited from my work and wish to support this work and complementary work to proliferate and succeed, please visit the link in the show notes to learn more about what we're trying to do and how you can help support it. All right, so this third and final section of the Virgo season episode, I'm going to look a little bit at a timeline for uh, astrological events in Virgo season. I finished the last section talking about Venus, so I'm going to start there and mention again that Venus has been retrograde since the first day of Leo season. Venus is stationing, uh, that was July 22nd, by the way, Venus is stationing direct uh, in Virgo season on September 3rd. Uh, every retrograde includes what's called a uh, shadow period or retro shade. And this is when the planet is moving direct over the same area of sky that its retrograde includes. And there is a pre-retro shade as well as a post-retro shade. Um, and so Venus's retrograde shadow extends between uh, mid-June and early October. And as you consider Venus's uh, influence, definitely look at the Leo placements in your chart. The day before uh, Virgo season begins, uh, Venus is still retrograde and it forms um, the the second of three squares with Jupiter. The first was back in mid-June and the final square with Jupiter uh, happens in um, mid-September, around September 16th. These squares that happen uh, one, two, three times are due to Venus's retrograde, right? So I just said there's this period of time called the retrograde shadow and Venus moves or whatever planet is retrograde moves over the same area of sky three times. And if it is aspecting an outer slower moving planet, then it's highly likely that that aspect will happen three times as well. So Venus square to Jupiter, 
uh, Leo in relationship to Taurus. In your charts, this is a creative and dynamic activation. The part of your chart that contains Leo is a part of the chart that is evolving right now in capacity for relationship. Relationship begins inherently with your relationship to self. And so issues of self-esteem and self-worth, self-valuation, uh, notions of beauty and aesthetics are really important when we're thinking about Venus. Uh, themes of resources and money and also values or value systems and uh, what value is derived from or how uh, wealth is considered are definitely Venusian themes. Um, you know, note to all of us that wealth doesn't always have to include money, right? There are many societies and traditions that consider that wealth is what you can give. The, the wealthiest people are the most generous people. Uh, this is unfortunately not um, the, the current situation of modernity, um, where wealth has been defined uh, through individualism and ownership or possession. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's not inherent to human existence. Again, that is something that has been socially fabricated or prescribed. And Venus's retrograde wants to bring more consciousness to what is truly valuable. So wherever Venus is retrograding for you, you may have been experiencing some kind of process of refinement of value. And clarification for yourself around what truly feels nourishing, worthwhile, valuable, pleasurable, pleasing. These are things that Venus wants. And you may also have been working to uh, move into some kind of new process or new space of awareness and relationship to beauty, to aesthetics, to how you feel the eminence of your own heart. Leo rules the heart. It rules the uh, essence of the self as the self is actualized as a unique being. And so even though all of us are just tiny, tiny little pieces in the big hole, all of us are also unique beings who have very special and important gifts to give. And you have a uh, absolutely essential and important function in your community. And you may or may not feel that you get to live into that role. But this Venus retrograde may have brought more importance into the ways that you experience your relationship to however you perceive that role. This is a season with Venus stationing direct and forming its third and final square to Jupiter in which uh, decisions want to be made. And so it feels like many of us are getting to the place where we can orient more directly to what we think is valuable, to the ways of being that we want to embody or that we need to be embodied in our relationships uh, in order to get our needs met, in order to feel satisfied and pleased. This may also be a period of time in which many of us have renegotiated our relationships to beauty, to uh, aesthetics, to possessions, to luxury, to ideas of uh, you know, what success markers or metrics might be. And we might be uh, kind of working with some very different ideas now of what we actually value. So this is a big theme as we move into Virgo season. Um, the day before Virgo season begins, Venus is retrograde. It forms its 
second of three squares to Jupiter. And so as we enter Virgo season, there is this retrograding influence of Venus square Jupiter that has a quality in it in, in that we are trying to ascertain where the value is and we are trying to coordinate uh, around that value and clarify it for ourselves. And so there may be a feeling as we enter into Virgo season that what used to be the guiding principle around value or pleasure or satisfaction or desire is no longer. We're experimenting now with new ways of satisfying ourselves or feeling uh, beautiful or uh, valuable or something like that. And then as we uh, move into Virgo season, the very first day of Virgo season, then Mercury stations retrograde. And in the first week of Virgo season, from the 23rd of August until the 1st of September, uh, this retrograde influence is really strong. Um, Mercury is moving very slow as it stations retrograde. It's also stationing retrograde pretty much exactly trine within two degrees to Uranus in Taurus and Uranus stations retrograde five days after Virgo season begins on August 28th. And two days after that, we have a full moon in Pisces. So the first week of Virgo season is saturated absolutely with retrograde station energy. And that means that uh, for a lot of us, things might feel totally overwhelming in their chaotic upheaval. It might feel that there are lots of things that are exploding, have exploded or need to explode or are about to explode. Many, many details swirling around. Uh, many of us in situations where we have been applying ourselves for quite some time. Uh, again, Uranus has been in Taurus since uh, 2018. And in your Taurus placement, you may have been applying yourself for quite some time, uh, either through your own choice or through necessity, because what's happening in your world towards innovation and change. And there may be processes of upheaval, of uh, revolution or rebellion that you are underway with in some way in the Taurus world placements in your chart. And Virgo season as it gets going is uh, bringing a focus to what you are trying to change, how things are innovating, what is getting disrupted. Um, and that's in a big picture, but then the details that need to get sorted out are going to be uh, primarily focused on your Virgo placements. And the small details are really what is of concern right now. But because Mercury is working uh, so acutely with the outer planets, we are very aware of the big picture and we have to do the dance over the next several weeks of zooming in and zooming out and holding both perspectives and all the in-between perspectives. The details and the big picture are hard to hold together, yet we must effort towards those ends. Now remember, uh, Virgo in a lot of ways speaks to life on earth and life is multitudinous and diverse. And that's part of why it's so successful. Lots of hands make light labor. Many, many beings uh, producing different um, functions is coherent in a, in a larger system. Some beings produce food for other beings. 
Those beings produce breath for other beings. All of them coordinate together to make a mountain or whatever. As you're feeling into the details in your life that need to get sorted, I can't recommend enough that you uh, pay attention to who and what is already here helping you organize and manage them. It is one of the places where Virgo energy can become most negating and destructive is when it feels alone, when it feels martyred, when it feels like it's the only one who's working. And part of what we have to remember when we're orienting to Virgo is that there are always unseen and unremembered uh, laborers and helpers. Whatever you are working with, whatever details you're working with in your life right now, those details are part of a bigger picture and larger web of relationality and continuity. As we work through the energetics of Virgo season, there are lots of messages about slowing down, attuning with, listening towards, relaxing our mental projections and uh, judgments and calculations and egoic ideas, and actually um, allowing ourselves to be in conversation with a larger intelligence. Whatever you are working with, uh, invest yourself in relationality with it, with these details. Practice meditating with the details in ways that help you remember that there are a lot of other things happening around these details, and these details are also held by more than just you. They might not be held by other people that you can name right now, right? You might feel like you're really working alone with something, but they are not uh, isolated in their existence and only your responsibility. These are details that are somehow tied into larger networks, frameworks, and bodies of existence. And those networks and bodies have their own intelligence. They have their own energy and life force. Those uh, bodies and networks might be full of other bodies and beings that are available <laughs> for counsel or support in some way. Especially in this first work week of Virgo season, um, things could feel very confusing as to how something is going to work out. And there may not be all the information needed yet in order to ascertain what it's going to look like later. Try and relax. Notice what happens in your gut when you get tense and anxious about what is not yet known or what feels chaotic and messy and disorganized. Try and relax if you feel totally overwhelmed. And connect with the continuity of the whole. The Pisces full moon on August 30th uh, really brings in the whole. It brings in the need to connect and sense the interconnections. This full moon is conjunct with Saturn in Pisces, and the sun forms its uh, exact opposition to Saturn just a couple of days before the full moon. So Saturn's influence is very strong and very present here. This is a full moon at seven degrees of Pisces. This is the point where Saturn stationed retrograde back in June. Saturn has just entered Pisces this year, and this is its first retrograde. And so this full moon in some ways is bringing an illumination and magnification to Saturn's influence in Pisces so far. 
Another amazing EA facilitator or somebody who facilitates with EA, Sherry Taylor, uh, has been offering a series of workshops with us throughout this year on Saturn and Pisces. And one of the ways that she has been guiding this process has been to ask us to feel into our myths and the myths that we are working with and let myths dissolve so that we can reimagine and uh, reformulate the narratives that we want to be working with. She's worked a lot with the myth of Saturn or Kronos and the energy of time, particularly the archetypal qualities of, uh, of, of time and Saturnian energy that have been very masculinized uh, through the kind of current and historic incarnation of this energy but which inherently are uh, very complete, I would say, in their potentials for uh, including both projecting and receiving energy or yin, yang, masculine, feminine. Saturn as an energy uh, encourages patience and it encourages coherence and integrity. It asks us to take time for integration. And conjunct with the Pisces full moon, this to me is a symbol that reminds us that our integrity and integration is supported when we allow ourselves to feel and emote and express and come together to support the, the collective emoting and expressing of feeling. Um, Pisces as a water sign relates with the mutable water and this is uh, a symbol of the mutable emotional landscape, the collective emotion and sentiment that flows between beings. As I said before, and as you know, we are living in a time of uh, deep grief and a lot of loss. There's a lot of confusion and overwhelm and fear, and none of these emotions are bad, and none of them will destroy us unless we allow them to destroy us by not acknowledging the power and the wisdom that they hold. When we turn away from our fear, when we try and act like we're not afraid, then what we end up doing is making decisions that are coming from uh, survival orientation in our brains and dismissal of our own emotional intelligence. Fear is an important response. It's an important energy it is showing us that something is wrong and something is dangerous. If we're feeling angry about something, this is an important energy. It lets us know that something is off. Something happened that was not okay. If we're feeling grief about something, that is important. It is so essential to feel sadness for whatever reason sadness might be there. And none of these emotions in and of themselves have to remain fixed. And you know that if you've ever had the experience of just crying about something, that when you allow yourself to express emotion, emotion can change. This full moon uh, might be a full moon that feels uh, very weighted in its energetic impact. And if you are able, especially uh, able communally to gather and express emotion, it would be so helpful, uh, I think, to integrate and metabolize what's coming through at this full moon. 
but Pisces also offers us the doorways of creative and spiritual support. And so on your own, you can also work to process and metabolize your feelings and reach out for support to a larger source or process through poetry or music or moving your body, meditating or something and allow whatever feelings are there to be felt. They are important and they will help clarify and articulate what needs to happen next. The next week as we move into September is a week that brings about a lot of uh, kind of dynamic shift. Venus stations direct on September 3rd. Uh, a couple, uh, just a day later, I should say, Mercury uh, forms its second trine with Jupiter. It formed the first earlier in August when it entered Virgo. It'll form its third later in September after it's done with its retrograde. Um, so this is the second trine to Jupiter. Uh, you might remember Venus formed its second square to Jupiter a couple of weeks before. And when the inner planets are retrograde, forming their second aspects, these are often uh, harsher in some ways or more confusing aspects. And a trine is an influence where there's a lot of flow between the two spaces. Now, on September 4th, Jupiter is also stationing retrograde, and it will be retrograde until the very last day of the year. It stations direct on December 31st. Jupiter is retrograde between 15 and 5 degrees of Taurus, and these are really important degree points in 2023. 15 and 5 degrees uh, have been points that have been uh, activated multiple times now through eclipses, through planetary aspects, and through retrogrades. Uranus's retrogrades have worked with these points. Mercury had a retrograde earlier this year that uh, exactly fell at, at these points as well. And Jupiter's retrograde will combine with aspects to uh, Venus, and later in the year we'll have another eclipse at five degrees of Taurus. So these are really potent, powerful uh, degree points right now, 15 and 5 degrees of Taurus. If you have natal placements there, definitely take note. Mercury forming its second trine to Jupiter on the day that Jupiter stations retrograde early in September. Uh, and then two days after that, uh, Mercury forms its Kazemi with the Sun, so inferior conjunction with the Sun. And then two days after that, the Sun perfects its trine with Jupiter uh, also at 15 degrees. So this is all happening in the first eight days of September and middle of Virgo season. So my sense for this period of time is that this is when a lot of new information is coming through. Now we might not yet know what to do with this information. It feels like there are many opportunities that are available here, but the opportunities may not be um, immediately expansive feeling. It might feel like there is a lot of labor involved. They might feel very confusing. We might not even be able to discern where the opportunities are underneath all of the details. In order to uh, identify the opportunities and work with them the best ways that we can, some, some suggestions are slow down. <laughs> Be patient, especially because we're working with Taurus placements and retrograde Taurus placements, Uranus and Jupiter. Taurus intelligence says go slow. If you go slow the first time and you give yourself time to attend to the details and the problems and to smooth things out as you go over the bumps, then the second and the third and the fourth times you'll be faster. 
So to start off slow is actually to contribute to efficacy and speed later. Things need to go slow right now when it comes to uh, any kind of development and growth, and particularly when it comes to new ideas or uh, implementation of ideas that have to do with improving or innovating uh, or somehow branching out into new and different areas. There is a lot of coordination right now between uh, Virgo and Taurus. And wherever Virgo and Taurus are in your chart, these two houses or uh, several houses, if you're working with quadrant-based house systems, they are talking to each other. Any planets that you have, natal planets in Virgo and Taurus, they are getting really activated right now and their themes are up. And you want to look for the ways that these different areas of your chart are speaking to one another and lending to each other. Jupiter station retrograde in Taurus is assistive for gaining knowledge, growing capacity, and building uh, wealth and resource. And because we're working with a period of time where Uranus is also in Taurus, I want to say that this is a period of time when we can innovate and uh, redefine what wealth and resource means. And so this is a period of time when we can build different kinds of wealth and resource. And wherever Virgo is, there are details that need to be arranged and coordinated as our notions of wealth and resource and our guiding philosophies grow and develop. So you might be thinking about resources in general and how to access what you need. But you might also be recognizing that you can involve yourself with resourcing. We're working in a retrograde time. And resourcefulness is the ability to source for ourselves, either through our consciousness, our relationships, our environments, so that we can source others, so that we can source projects or growth of some kind especially because we're uh, working with coordination, uh, again, between Taurus and Virgo and Capricorn, the Earth uh, signs, I really want to um, <laughs> pr promote and propel um, mind-body, mind-heart-body resourcing. And at this time on Earth, when there is so much urgency and scarcity and fear, when there is a lot that's changing really fast, um, I, I want to remind myself and anyone for who this resonates that one of our primary access points for resource is source. Earth, body, love, it's the sun the wind, the rain, source. How do we resource? Look at your earth placements, and especially as we get into September, consider your relationship to resource, to materiality, to support, to uh, needs. And start to get creative, if you haven't been already, 
um, around what can be resourcing for you. And invest yourself in practices and uh, behaviors and activities and relationships that contribute to resourcing. So this might look like uh, communal practices of mind-body integration. We're going to sit and meditate together once a week. And because we do that, uh, we're all resourcing each other. We're helping each other resource and this once a week meditation time means that we're just a little bit more patient, just a little bit more available in our hearts, maybe a little less mentally foggy or confused. We have a little more capacity to be present and responsive rather than disassociated or reactive. To resource is to invest back into the source. Invest in your body, invest in the land, invest in the relationships and the tiny beings and the little details that serve the greater whole. Getting into the last third of Virgo season, there's not a lot going on uh, aspect-wise between the 8th and the 14th of September, but on the 14th of September, we have a new moon at 21 degrees of Virgo. You might remember this is the degree point where Mercury stationed retrograde. Uh, when the new moon forms, it's because the sun and the moon have come together from our point of view here on Earth. And 21 degrees is uh, in a very close trine aspect to Uranus and Taurus. Uranus has stationed retrograde. And the day after the new moon on September 15th, um, the sun will perfect its trine with Uranus. And the day after that, on the 16th of September, Mercury stations direct at eight degrees of Virgo. So uh, 14th, 15th, uh, and 16th, we are working with uh, new moon energy and Uranian energy and Mercury stationing direct energy. This is exciting. I think this is an exciting feeling. Uh, the 21st degree of Virgo speaks directly to the coordination of many different components. This is a degree point that emphasizes the essential nature of collaboration within the material realm. Your digestion is only possible because you have billions of bacteria that live in your gut. Wealth production uh, in the ways that wealth and, and value have been formed uh, on our current planet Earth is only possible because of the resources extracted and the labor involved. When we coordinate amongst the small pieces, we have great power. 21 degrees of Virgo is an amazing degree point for thinking about collective organizing the power of unions, the coherence of collectives, and the ways that individuals can come together to work towards a larger whole. The sun in Virgo, trine Uranus retrograde in Taurus, uh, at a degree point that speaks to the need to resource, to understand the nature of the value that we are working with as we coordinate more deeply with the many pieces of the whole. This is a period of time in which there's a lot of support for us to uh, work 
across lines of perceived separation and distance. As Mercury stations direct and the Sun trines Uranus, uh, we are also supported to deepen our insight and communicate more effectively with one another. Um, throughout Mercury's retrograde from the beginning of Virgo season, um, end of August until middle of September, we may be looking for language, we may be collecting data or information and not yet really in the place where we feel that we can communicate coherently, or we may be communicating just fine, but we're dealing with details and so we're not able to have really the big conversation yet. But as we get into the middle of September, uh, the details are starting to come together and there is enough clarity and coherence that then we can move towards the larger conversations. As uh, September progresses and we move out of the, the new moon, we are moving towards Venus's third and final square with Jupiter. And so again, three times aspect because of the retrograde gives us three opportunities to integrate something. Uh, this is a period of time in which we want to put our values into action. And what we feel in our hearts and minds and how we uh authentically want to experience our growth and development as unique beings has to be aligned now on a practical level. And over the last several months, uh, many people may have been experiencing the need to end or change certain behaviors or activities, ways of being, uh, big changes potentially in relationships, big changes in the realms of money and possession or relationship to money and possession. And this third and final square of Venus uh, to Jupiter gives us the opportunity to really feel into what we want to embody and to make it real. And then as we move out of Virgo season, uh, the sun will oppose Neptune and trine Pluto before it moves into Libra. And this continues to amplify the feeling that we are in the midst of enormous far-reaching changes, that we're living through a time of uh, deep disruption and a real shift in sentiment and ideas about what reality is and should be or could be. There's a quality here of living at a time that is very dreamlike, when reality itself feels like a dream. It is absurd and ridiculous in so many ways. It is absolutely inconceivable to me a lot of the times that I'm reading the actual headlines that I'm reading in the news. How could this be possible? This seems so ridiculous, unnecessary, bizarre. And yet these are the times that we live in. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of uh, hysteria. There's a, a pandemonium. And uh, for those of us that are really working to tune in with the deeper vibrational qualities and um, potentials in this time, we want to remember that the impacts of our lives are bigger than our lives. And each of us inherit lineages that we are part of, and each of us have uh, responsibility and impact uh, upon those lineages and within them. And what we can offer now is not necessarily for us to benefit from in our lifetimes, and that's something to really keep in mind. What we can offer now is really towards the whole, and that is definitely what we want to orient towards.
all life forms decay. All social processes will break down and become irrelevant over time. But suffering is inevitable. Distress is inevitable. And if we bring ourselves to the project of our lives of making meaning and making sense of our conditions and working inside of them to uh, produce uh, more sense of happiness or satisfaction as we question our values and uh, tune in with what will really provide happiness and satisfaction, then we contribute to a world that is changing. That in uh, several generations or maybe just a few decades might look radically different, might be regenerated in many ways, transformed in many ways, if our notion of value and success uh, and worth and uh, self-worth and environmental worth or relationships can actually deepen into integrity and coherence now. I was talking with my therapist, who I just love so much the other day, and uh, really feeling into my own overwhelm. And she said, you know, Renee, sometimes uh, it's very helpful for me to remember that suffering is not going to end, and to consider that maybe suffering is going to get as big as it needs to be in order for healing to emerge in order for people to recognize where suffering doesn't need to be as big as it is. And so as we are all living through the impact of choices and the consequences of actions that were made long before any of us were born, and that have been produced through combinations of choices and uh, actions that are bigger than any of us are solely responsible for, Let's also involve ourselves in the moment of collective metabolism that we are in. And in the last few days of Virgo season, as the sun moves towards Libra, Mars has already come into Libra. I'll talk more about Mars and Libra next month. Um, as we conclude this season, let's really feel into the notion of transformative justice, of rebalancing, of uh, equilibrium, in a holistic and global sense, how do we support one another to thrive, not just survive? How do we invest in what is truly valuable so that our communities and our environments can rebalance and repair? Thanks so much for listening to this special episode and Virgo season overview. I hope you enjoyed it and will find it supportive throughout the season. For more information on Virgo season and you, make sure to check out my mini readings for the signs by Element, which you can find linked in the show notes, streaming on your favorite listening platforms, or easily accessible through my virtual member community. You might also be interested in my 2023 year ahead readings. Those readings give big picture overviews of the main themes, opportunities, and challenges for your sign in 2023. My year ahead readings are now discounted by 50%. Find more information in the show notes or in the horoscope section at embodiedastrology.com. And in case you didn't realize yet, Embodied Astrology has so much other stuff going on. Our podcasts and horoscopes are just the surface. 
In our membership spaces, we also offer a variety of transformative exploratory workshops with a range of brilliant and diverse teachers, a monthly conversation and astrology tea time sharing space, study groups, and more. Our membership offerings are all sliding scale, and we offer additional scholarships for those who need them. You can keep in touch by signing up for the EA newsletter, following and subscribing to the podcast on your favorite listening platforms, and following us on Instagram at Embodied Astrology. Your donations and memberships sustain this work, and we are so grateful for your support. You can find more information about becoming a member, or you can make a one-time donation through the link in the show notes.